Well, I want to make a declaration of faith this morning before you. I believe the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous person makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. I believe in praying with all kinds of prayer in the Spirit, including praying in other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. When I pray in tongues, I speak directly to God from my spirit, bypassing my emotions, my limited knowledge, and limited thinking. When I pray in tongues, I pray the mysteries or the divine secrets of God over my life, and even as the Spirit wills in other situations as well. When I pray in tongues, I edify or build up or charge my inner man. And that's where life comes from the inner man. Therefore, I say with the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. Praise the Lord. Father God, this morning as we come to your word, we come with reverence. We come to honor you by listening to what you have to say to us. Lord, we know that to hear your voice and then to do what you say is the great key to a successful life. So I pray today that we will hear your voice through your word today. May you be magnified, may you be glorified, and may every person who is here or every person who hears or sees this message today, may they be touched by your power and presence and may they remember you. And may they know that they've been in your presence most of all. And that's what we pray for and we ask for. We thank you for it in advance. We believe we receive it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Today and next week, I want to talk to you about the will of God for your life. As we come to the close of this year, 2023, and look ahead to the new year, 2024 which the Lord has spoken to us prophetically that it will be a year of visitation with those visitations actually uh, you know, manifesting in different ways. I want you to uh, refocus, if you will, and kind of reset, if, if need be, on the purpose and the plan of God for your life individually. And I want to begin today uh, in Jeremiah 29, and we're going to actually look at three different passages to begin this series today, and uh, so you can follow along with me in your Bible device, whatever you have. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, and I'm reading from the NIV. It says, "For I know the plans I have for you," declares the Lord, "plans to prosper you, and not to harm you; plans to give you hope and a future." I love that verse. I love that verse. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you. That means God has plans for every one of us to prosper us and to give us hope and to give us a future. So the world isn't just going to tell us how we're going to be. Circumstances and situations we face are not going to determine how we will be. But the plan of God is going to determine how we will be. 
Which means if necessary, we can use our faith and use our spiritual authority and change circumstances and change situations. Now I want to look in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. And this one I'll read first from the King James and then read from the Amplified Classic. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, another one of my uh, favorite verses. It says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now the Amplified is a little more wordy, but they're good words. They help us to see more fully, I think, what's being said to us. For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which He prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Man, there's so much in that verse, isn't there? That's so good, I just have to read it again. For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship. I mean, you know, God doesn't make junk. There are no defects in his workmanship. You never have to go back to customer service and say this thing doesn't work. We are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, that means he planned these things before, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them. And then I love this part, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Think about somebody that loved you so much that they spent thousands and thousands of dollars on this dream vacation to somewhere warm and sunny with the best of food, the best of bed, best of accommodations, all kinds of good things. And they handed you the tickets and everything is ready and all you got to do is leave out of Lynchburg at 2 o'clock today to begin that journey and you'll end up in what on earth might be called a paradise. But you decide that you'd rather have a hot dog from Moore's and forget that vacation. No offense to Moore's or their hot dogs. We won't have a hot dog debate, but we could. Uh, But anyhow, here's the point. God has some marvelous things prearranged. And the price has been paid. The ticket's ready. But we do have a choice. Amen. So when we talk about the will of God for your life, we're not only talking about finding the will, knowing his will, but we're talking about also a decision to do his will. Which makes me want to ask this question. Are you just curious about it or are you committed to it? That's really important. A lot of people wonder why they don't know more about God's plans and God's will. But the fact is they're at the level of just kind of being curious. 
God wants you to make the commitment to walk in his will before you even know what it is. That's not scary because God has already told us how good his plans are. As a matter of fact, his plans are the best. They are the best. Now, next verse I want to look at is 1 John chapter 2 and verse 17. 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 17. I like this verse. It just, uh, it just helps us and encourages us where the will of God is concerned. And it says, And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So if you want to stand, if you want to last, if you want your life to count, if you want to walk in the greatest level of the blessings of God that he has made available to you and for you, then you've got to make a decision to do the will of God. Now the word will here means a determination It means a choice. And remember, we're talking about the will of God. God's determination, God's choice. And specifically, it has to do with God's purpose and God's decree. A decree, of course, is is a royal edict. And many times, that's as far as a lot of people go when they talk about and when they think about the will of God. They just think about this is what God demands, this is what God requires, and so it's the will of God. And they go into it almost from the beginning with this kind of negative or semi-negative attitude that somehow it's like a battle between me and God. And, uh, you know, he's just demanding these things of me. Can I just remind you again of what we have just read? How could anything that God require be anything but good? How could God ever ask you to do anything that wasn't part of his predetermined plan that is is, uh, intended to help you live the good life that he prearranged and made ready for us to live? I don't know where we got this idea that the will of God is hard and the will of God is troublesome. The will of God is going to cost me everything that I really like and it's going to always be me saying no to me do you realize don't you that God can actually change your will he can change your will to you will want what he wants and when you're in agreement with God it's amazing when you want what God wants for the same reason that God wants it you become invincible in accomplishing his purposes in your life. It's amazing the power that's, that is available to us as humans when we just get into agreement with God. So will means determination, choice, purpose, and decree. But it also, and here's something you need to see, the kind of the other side of the coin, it also means inclination, desire, pleasure. So the will of God not only expresses his purpose and his determination and his decrees, but the will of God also gives us his inclinations, what he is apt to do, what he likes. It shows us God's desire, the desire of God. 
And it also shows us the pleasure of God. You see, God takes great pleasure when you and I are in the place we're supposed to be doing what we're supposed to do. And he is so uh, concerned about this that he makes provision that every one of us can know what that desire is and every one of us can know what that decree is and what that inclination is and, and, and what that determination is. He will show us his will and purpose. So it's important for us to take a little time, and I think especially at this time of the year, as we, as we, uh, as humans, we kind of, you know, turn the calendar over and all that, and we our minds are a little bit on reflecting and also on looking ahead. It's important for us to uh, get a handle on this. So finding the will of God for your life and finding His plans for accomplishing it is one of the most important discoveries that you will ever make. It's one of the most important discoveries you'll ever make. Practicing being led by the Holy Spirit is one of the most important disciplines you'll ever learn. Finding His will is the most important discovery. Practicing being led by the Holy Spirit is one of the most important disciplines you'll ever learn. Finding and doing the will of God is powerful, It is practical and it is profitable. Finding the will of God will determine success in every area of your life. Finding the will of God and doing the will of God will determine success in every area of your life. It will determine spiritual success, not only in your personal relationship with God, but in the fulfillment of the calling, the ministry, whatever God's called you to do, whatever your part is in the body of Christ. It will determine success in your mental, emotional, intellectual, or what we call soulish area of life. Finding the will of God deals with your will, your will, your mind, your emotions. That's your soul. And it comes into agreement with God. That's where success Uh, I mean, that's required to have success as a believer. And then it'll also affect your physical body because the will of God will, will be something about what you need to do with yourself, with your body, what you put into it, what you do with it, how you handle it, how you use it. All of that's part of it. And then the will of God will also affect your finances, your material life purchases, what you buy, what you sell, what you invest in, where you work, your career choices, all the areas that affect you materially, financially, that is greatly affected by knowing and following the will of God. And then finally, I'll say this, it will affect your relationships. It will affect your marriages, or your marriage. It is not the will of God you be a bigamist. Amen. Uh, it'll affect, it will affect your marriage. It will affect your relationship with your children and how you raise your children, your relationships with your grandchildren and your nieces and nephews and uncles and parents and all your family, all your relationships, people you work with, people you're in business with, whatever the case may be. Finding and doing God's will is powerful practical and profitable and will determine success in every area of your life. Now God has a unique plan 
for each and every one of us. No two of us are exactly alike. And even in marriage, we are considered by God as one. These two become one. But that doesn't mean that we are exactly alike in every area of our lives. We are one in unity. We've come together to spend our lives. We're committed to each other. But uh, that doesn't mean that we like always the same things, that we like everything the same way. You know, Glenn and I are so different in so many ways. You know, it's, I, could, I could go down this list. But she doesn't want me to. And so, <laughs> no, we could, we could go down the list. And there are things, you know, and, and, and uh, there's nobody can aggravate her more than me. There's nobody on the planet that can get her as mad as I can get her. Of course, I rarely do. But <laughs> I'm just joking. You want to know what part about? Well, just figure it out. Uh, but anyway, but we're very different. We're very different. And I'm sure that many of you could say the same thing. Somebody you're married to, and maybe you've been married a long, long time, but yet you're different. You just don't like everything the same and everything the same way. Well, uh, you know, we're unique, and that's the way it ought to be. I mean, after 48 years of marriage, one thing I've learned is you might as well forget about changing somebody. <laughs> Believe me, I've tried. <laughs> have you tried? I guess you have, but uh, it didn't work. We're unique. So let me say this about the will of God your destiny is discovered, it is not decided. Destiny is not a choice I make. It's a discovery I make. And that's why we need to be careful, parents, grandparents. If you have any influence on small children, young children, young people, young adults, you need to be very careful how you steward that opportunity to speak into the lives of other people. Number one, none of us are the Holy Spirit. And so we don't have the same privileges that he has. Number two, we do need to refrain from telling people, and though I'm sure people do it with good intentions, and they're trying to be encouraging and trying to be helpful, but you really don't need to tell people you can be anything you want to be. Because that's a lie. It's just a lie. You can be all that God wants you to be. But none of us can be anything we want to be. Amen. I mean, that, that, you know, you, you see that happen with, with, uh, with parents and kids sometimes. Parents pushing kids to... Dream the impossible dream. And all that sounds very, you know, romantic or it sounds very uh, exciting or whatever. And, but if God has not created a person to be or to do a certain thing, they're not going to make it there. But that's not something to be sad about. What that means is there is something else that God has created me for. 
And that something else I can excel in. And through that something else, I can prosper. He's made, he's, he has plans to prosper me. And to give me hope and a future. So we need to help our children, help our grandchildren, help our young folks around us find the place God has for them. We don't need to try to recreate our children in our image. And we certainly don't need to try to do over our own life through our kids and try to make them do what we wish we had done. I'm so grateful for my dad. He was always a sports person. He loved sports and, and play ball. And I remember as a kid watching him, you know, uh, go and play ball. He had lots of brothers. I mean, they had enough brothers to almost have the whole team of brothers. And um, he enjoyed it. So I remember being out in the yard and he would pitch the ball to me and I would swing and miss. And he'd pitch the ball to me and I'd swing and miss. And he'd pitch the ball to me and I'd swing and miss. I would get so angry. I'd get so frustrated. And so finally he gave up on it. And somebody gave me an old guitar. And, uh, and I began to learn a few things. And the world of music opened up to me. And um, it, it just was such a blessing. I'm so glad that that happened. I've not excelled in sports and I've not excelled in music, but I've had a whole lot more fun trying the music side than I ever had in the ball side. I don't even care to go to a game. I mean, you know, that's fine. You go to all of them you want to. I don't see the point. (laughs) Just a little aside. Anyway... We don't want to try to force other people into our mold. We are not the Holy Spirit. God has a unique plan for each of us. And that plan is something we have the privilege, not the chore, but the privilege of discovering. And when we discover the bent or the direction, the the way that God wants us to go, and we put with that a knowledge of his word for the basic do's and don'ts of God's will, then we are on our way to success. And you've got to understand that what God's called you to do and what his word says is the basis by which all of us will be judged. Romans 11.29 says, the gifts and callings of God or without repentance. And what that means is God does not revoke the calling. He doesn't take it back. And what that also means is that when you and I stand before the judgment seat of Christ one of these days. And um, you know that we will. To receive a reward for the works done in the body. All of us will. Everybody's going to stand there. And they're going to meet the person they could have been. And the records will be open. And uh, I don't know how much of that is going to be all replayed for us. I don't know how much of that other people will see that are waiting in line. I don't know. But I do know this. All of us are going to stand before the Lord. And we're not going to give an account of what someone else thought we should do. But we're going to give an account of what God 
put us on the earth to do and to be. And whether you ever do what God calls you to do or not, you'll be judged on that basis because God has never taken that away. Now, I don't want to spend my time on just personal examples. I know that's not in good taste, but I don't necessarily have the liberty to use everybody else's stories. I do know mine. But I know for me, I did not plan to be a pastor. I'll say it as kindly as I can, but a lot of the pastors that I saw in my very young days were not people I wanted to emulate for various reasons, and we won't, we won't take long there. But I, I didn't plan to be a minister. Now, I look back at this stage in my life, and I see that call was there from the time I was a little boy. Um, I, I, I never had a problem getting up and talking in front of people. I mean, not, not to any great degree. I remember my mother's sisters took me to school with them. This was in the old, old days, remember, back in the last century. They were high school students. And, uh, and one day, for some reason, I guess it was like taking, you know, show and tell or taking your pet to school. They took their little nephew, and I was about, uh, you know, I was like four or five years old, had this burr head of white blonde hair, and I was talkative. <laughs> and so they would get me, and I remember standing up in front of a shorthand class, singing, walking by faith in the crucified one. <laughs> and I was just as serious as I could be. I'm sure they all thought it was really hilarious, but I would sing it. And I could sing it for you today, but you don't want me to, so I won't. But uh, so I never had, so I didn't realize though, when I got to my teen years and, and on up to, you know, uh, toward, you know, late teens, I didn't realize that all that was a part of a divine plan. I just didn't see all of it. But now it's so clear. And so what I'm saying is to you, there may be things going on in your life today that you really don't understand. Why, I, why do I like this? Why, why do I seem to be uh, able to do this? And when maybe, you know, everybody else is doing something else. Or why do I maybe seem a little odd when I'm in certain groups? Don't discount that. Because God has his hand on you. God has a call upon your life. And his will doesn't change. Amen. His will doesn't change. And so there will be people who will stand before the Lord, I'm convinced, and they'll begin to try to tell the Lord all the good things they did. Maybe how much money they made and how well they took care of their families and how, what a great inheritance they left to their children and grandchildren and maybe even their great-grandchildren and how that they gave so much to the work of the Lord in the earth and they did so many things and they were there and they were available. But the point is, when all that's said, the Lord would look at them and say, but what did you do with what I gave you? Did you... Wrap it up in a napkin, neatly, carefully, put it in a hole in the ground so you'd know just exactly where to go get it to present it back to me. And we all know that story didn't end well for that guy. So we want to find this out, don't we? 
And I'm not trying to be negative to you and put a lot of guilt on anybody. But I'm just telling you this is so important. And I want to balance this by also telling, telling you that this is the best life you'll ever live. Now, not everybody's a preacher. Not everybody is, is a singer. Not everybody is going to do the same things. But everybody has something in them that God has put that will function not only within the body of Christ, but it will function outside the church into the rest of your life. See, what a lot of people don't understand is things that go on here go on, here on Sundays and Wednesdays and all those other days that people are meeting and working and practicing and polishing and doing all that they do, that affects all the other stuff out there. Many people don't get that. They think church is kind of an optional thing. I can just go wherever it's you know, convenient, close, where they have short services, where the preacher has hair or you know, whatever is going on. You know. and, and they think all those, you know, that, that it doesn't really matter. Folks, it matters. It really does. Your commitment and your faithfulness, we say it so many times in church, month after month as we make our financial confessions. I say it every day of my life, but... As I obediently, as I'm involved obediently in God's business, he is involved in mine. You might think those few minutes early or that, that extra time or missing some services as you're in a nursery or you're in a classroom or you're working in some other area or you're doing what we call uh, physical labor task. You're moving stuff, doing stuff to make the church work. You might think that doesn't seem so spiritual, but God is watching and keeping perfect records and it is spiritual. It is spiritual. It affects you spiritually. It affects your future and it affects your present. Amen. Now I want to make another point and, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I want to be careful and, and respectful of your time, but I do want I want you to hear a few things just to get started today. Here we go with something else. Finding God's will requires that we seek the God we already know. Finding the will of God requires that we seek the God we already know. I mentioned 48 years of marriage a while ago. And I'm very thankful to God for a good wife. But after... And, and actually, we met in 1972. We have been close for 50, uh, almost 52 years. No, uh, yeah, almost, no, almost 51. Yeah, almost 52 years. Next March, 2024. 52 years. We never dated anybody else from the time we met each other. And so, um, but after 52 years... I'm sure that I know her and she knows me better than anybody else knows us. But just because I know her doesn't mean I don't need to seek after her. To court her, we might say, in that kind of a relation terms. I've noticed that the nicer I am, the better my life is. <laughs> <laughs> I've noticed the more generous I am, the better my life is. Well, when it comes to God, yes, we know him. If we're born again, we know him. I mean, I got to know God in 1968. That's a long time ago. But I still need to seek God. 
What happened in 68 was wonderful. It changed my life. But my today depends on seeking God today. Jesus said, pray, give us day by day our daily bread. There's a daily walking with God, a daily experience of his presence. There's a daily attitude that we've got to maintain whereby we seek the Lord. And I think a lot of people make the mistake of thinking because they know the Lord, they don't need to seek him anymore. But I would say to you that you would probably be amazed at what will happen if you began to seek the Lord the same way you sought him in the very beginning. Maybe we sought him out of desperation. Maybe we did seek him because we were so scared of going to hell and or maybe we were so bound by the devil, our life was such a mess that there was almost you know, nowhere else to turn, so we turned to God. But whatever the case may be, you probably remember there was a degree of intensity and sometimes desperation in that initial seeking of God. We wanted to get that thing settled. We didn't want to go to hell. We didn't want this mess of a life anymore. We wanted new life. We wanted a changed life. We wanted God's life. If we would turn that intensity, now, after being saved, some of us even for decades, if we would turn some of that intensity in our prayer time and in our personal time with God into just seeking God, not necessarily bringing a big list of requests, but just seeking God, and, and, and spending time with God and asking him what he thinks, asking what he wants, asking what would be your uh, pleasure. Or let's say it this way, Lord, what do you desire? What would make you happy? And you know, it might seem unrelated. Well, you know, I've got a problem, you know, with a kid here. or I've got a problem in a marriage or I've got a problem at work or, you know, I've got some financial lack. And it may seem unconnected because our first inclination is, as humans is we, we go to God, fix this. This is a problem. You know, I don't want a divorce. I don't want my kids to leave and never speak to me. Or I don't want to go broke. I don't want to have bankruptcy. You know, all kinds of things like that that people go to God for. And I'm not saying that, that we should never go to God with our needs. But what I'm saying is it's amazing how if we go to God asking what he desires and what is on his mind and what he would like to talk to us about, it's amazing how that we will get information we've never thought about and somewhere in that process, and it's supernatural, it's by the Holy Ghost, but somehow in that process, he reveals to us the answer to our needs and our problems. And things happen. Because we focus on God. We seek God. Now, why would we have to seek God? This is what I want to close with this morning. And I want to ask you to turn to the book of Proverbs chapter 2. Why do I need to seek God? It's, you know, at first glance, as someone who doesn't really know God and doesn't really understand his word, they might think, well, it seems that God's playing games with me. If, he, if it's so important that I um, uh, find his will, if it's so important that I do his will, then why isn't it more obvious to me? Why isn't it more plain to me? 
Is God playing games? And by the way, you don't usually stumble upon the will of God. You know, I talked about the illustration of looking back now and seeing that God's hand was on my life for ministry. But when the actual surrender to ministry came, that was a great struggle for me. And I had to, um, I had to deal with that. And, and, it, and I didn't stumble upon it. It was a time of seeking, a time of dedication, a time of consecration. And uh, so we don't generally stumble upon the will of God. Why isn't it more obvious? Is God hiding it from us? And the answer is no, not necessarily. Let me say it to you this way. God is hiding his will in many cases for us, not from us. Some of you have children you're buying gifts for and you're hiding those gifts for them. And in a sense, yes, you're hiding it from them, but you're hiding it for them until the right time to give it to them. And in many cases, God's will is hidden from us slash for us until we are ready. Sometimes it's until we've made a commitment. Sometimes it's until we've grown enough. There are various reasons that then it's revealed. And all through that process, the ideal situation is that we're seeking God. You see, seeking God is a way of keeping us in his presence. God's so smart. He knows what he's doing. You know, if, if, you, are, if you have a kid, let's say that you're just abundantly rich. I mean, you got tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars. And so there's really nothing on the planet that you couldn't buy if it's for sale and available to be bought. And you've got plenty, and you're never going to spend it all, and you've got plenty to even leave. Are you going to just drop a, 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 a check or a transfer of money into a rebellious kid's account, and you're just going to go ahead and give this 18-year-old heathen, you're going to give this 18-year-old heathen, this rebellious heathen, you're going to give him $100 million. You know what? You know you're not going to do that as a parent. Because probably you will help kill them. And if you're really wanting fellowship with your kids, then you know that if you give them that hundred million, it's no telling when you'll ever see them again. God is a good parent, a wise parent, a loving and kind and generous parent. But he really does want you to hang around. He really wants you. To come into his presence. He will give you anything. Anything that's good. Anything that's God-like. He will give you and give you and give you. If you will learn to bring him the pleasure of saying yes to his purposes and his plans. It's amazing how blessed you can be if you follow God. And so one of the things God does is he lays up his will, the information about his will. We'll call it wisdom because we're going to read these verses and you'll see why in a moment. 
He lays all that up for us. He lays it up for us. Like, you know, um, you've got a, a 13-year-old boy and a 12-year-old boy. He, he loves cars. He loves trucks. He loves, you know, all of that kind of thing. And that's fine. So you have something that he really would enjoy, but he's not ready. You can't give him the keys and put him on the road at 12. So what do you do? You put it in the garage or you, you store it away somewhere, whatever, and you, you wait. And you lay it up for him. And when he gets old enough, when he gets mature enough, when he's wise enough, when he's trustworthy, when he's ready, you give it to him. And many, many things in the will of God are that way. So if we're stuck... And nothing seems to be moving. Nothing seems to be happening. We're making no progress. We might want to check, number one, am I seeking God? And number two, as I seek Him, am I doing what He is leading me and telling me and showing me to do? Because everything He leads me to do and everything He shows me and everything He's telling me is to get me to that next place. He wants to bless me more than I want to be blessed. And so all these things are in preparation. Speaking of little boys, there's no, there's no five-year-old little boy likes going to school usually. I mean, even if they like certain aspects of it, they don't necessarily always see when they're five why they need to learn all that they're being taught. You know what I mean? You know, it's a whole lot more fun to go out and play than it is to do arithmetic. But, of course, adults know that if you want to grow up and be successful, you need to be able to count. Man, I could middle there, but I'm not going to. (laughs) Proverbs chapter 2, look at verse 4. Now, this is speaking of wisdom and knowledge. If thou seekest her, well, look at verse 3. Let's read verse 1. Let's just start at verse 1. How does that sound? (laughs) My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding, yea, if thou criest after knowledge. Now stop just a minute. We see the word wisdom. We see the word understanding. We see the word knowledge. So we understand these three things are important to God and they're important to us. Wisdom understanding, and knowledge. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord. Notice that's the first thing you'll learn. It's the most important thing to learn in all of these things, the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. So we know that his words come out of his mouth. So our Bible, we could just put that in verse 6. Think about your Bible. For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth, out of my Bible cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. Notice, he layeth up for, not hiding from. 
He layeth up sound wisdom for the, uh, for the righteous. It's ours to seek. It's ours to take, as it were, off the shelf and open up the package and see what it is. That's God's desire for every one of us. And I just want to encourage you because I, I really need to stop here because to go to the next section would take too long. So we just have to put a pin in this here and, and take it up next week. But I want you to know that it's really important right now in this season that we seek God. Our world is in a greater mess than we've ever seen in our lifetime. I wasn't born in the uh, Depression era. I wasn't born in, uh, you know, the... Um, World War II era or the World War I veteran, uh, World War I era, I was not around. I don't know what kinds of anxieties and fears and uh, all the rest that was going on in people's minds in those days, but I, I have a feeling that with the 24-hour barrage of information and media that we have today and with the division and the strife and ungodliness at an unprecedented level in our generation I'm thinking that probably this this is an age unlike any other on the planet if there was ever a time that you and I need to know where we fit in the plan of God and how to do the will of God it's now and we if there was ever a time that we were willing to submit to God's will let me leave you with this today. Jesus said that if we were going to follow him, that it was necessary to take up our cross and follow him. What is your cross? Well, I, I heard a definition years ago, and I thought it was so good. I've never forgotten it. Your cross is where your will and God's will crosses. Whatever that is, whatever God's will for your life is, and your will comes right across that and meets. When you surrender your will to God's, you've taken up your cross. And Jesus, by the way, speaking of the load he brought, he said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. He's not going to harm you, not going to hurt you. Remember where we started. His plans are to prosper you. But we have to do it God's way. That rebellious streak that's in every human being. You can see it in a six-month-old. You can see it in an 86-year-old. It's a part of human nature that we have been redeemed from, but we have to keep it under. And our flesh has to stay crucified, as it were. That we don't follow our own way, but we follow God's way. And wherever your will and God's will crosses, when you submit to God's way instead of your own, that's when you've taken up your cross, and that's when the blessings start. God has resources and, and abundance to make every one of his kids very, very, very blessed. It's just a matter of us surrendering to the will and purpose of God. Amen? So, Father God, this morning, we're so thankful and grateful for this word from the Lord. We take it as that. We believe it is. There may be somebody here today, Lord, that's never surrendered to you. The beginning of their journey 
could be today, all they have to do is take Jesus as their Lord. In an attitude of true repentance from sin and surrender to Jesus by believing in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. He died on our account as our substitute. By taking Jesus as Lord, by confessing him with our mouth as Lord, we are born again. We are transformed. Our lives are made new. And all those plans that you have for us, all those good things you've made available, then they, they all open up to us as we start on this journey in the will of God. With heads bowed and eyes closed today, if that's you, if you're in the building or if you're watching online or just listening, and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. You've never become a Christian. It's not about getting better. It's not about laying aside things you consider wrong. Those things can be dealt with after you've received Jesus. Because, to be honest with you, none of us can do all that without Jesus. You, you won't be a good person without Jesus. Not, not in the biblical sense. You will never work your way to heaven. And you'll never earn salvation or eternal life. You have to receive it by grace through faith. So I just encourage you wherever you are right now. Just say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe you became what I am. So that I would have the ability to become what you are child of God accepted in the beloved and in covenant relationship with the almighty I believe Jesus died and I believe he rose again so that I could be acquitted and found not guilty of my past and all my sins and I receive you now Lord Jesus as my Lord and my Savior I confess you as Lord you are Lord of my life and I will serve you all the days of my life I look forward to the future that we have together. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, please see me after this service is over. Or if you're online, you're watching, you're at home somewhere else, contact us. Let us, we'd like to give you some good information to help you. We'd like to pray with you. We'd like to know who you are. and We'd like to hear your testimony. I believe that uh, there's not much else for me to say. <laughs> 